Today's show presented by our friends at Woodbine. A couple of graded stakes are on tap on Saturday north of the border. First up, the grade two Bessarabian stakes for fillies and mares, three-year-olds and up going seven furlongs. After that, there's also the grade three Maple Leaf stakes for the same conditions going a mile and a quarter. Don't miss out on all the action. For more information, go to woodbine.com. And later this week on the show, Drew Cotney and I will be going over the sequence that includes these races. We here at In The Money Media are also proud to be partnering with the Kentucky Thoroughbred Development Fund. Purses in Kentucky are powered by the KTDF and have led to an incredible enhancement to the Kentucky racing scene. KTDF dollars in purses are only for Kentucky bred horses, so breeding in Kentucky is the best way to maximize profits and return on investment when it comes to racing and breeding. Because of the benefits from the KTDF, Churchill Downs Racing and the Kentucky Racing Circuit as a whole continue to be on an incredible upward trajectory. For more information, please check out www.inthemoneypodcast.com slash KTDF. Hello and welcome to a special edition, a really special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn bunker once again. Pleased to bring on a man who you hear on these airwaves all the time, especially if you are an aficionado of racing over the border, where he does a lot of work for us at Woodbine. He also does a heck of a lot of stuff behind the scenes. I'm going to go so far as to say there wouldn't be an In The Money media without him. He is your new Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge champion, Drew Codney. Drew, how are things? Oh, man. I've cried so many times in the last, like, two days. And I'll tell you what, I watched the Cody's Wish special after the races at home with my little kid. And uh, I'm going to be lying to you if I say I don't get choked up when we tell these stories of of all the fantastic events that transpired over the last – 72 hours um so yeah it's it's been a it's been a freaking ride so far so the the only question to me though is what is my title going to be at the end of every show now so don't tell me i already tweeted it so but if you didn't see it you'll just you'll just hear you'll hear i have a plan for this i have a plan for this um and I, and I may do a special one-time only change of, of the sign-off as well. We'll see. I'm If I'm feeling froggy, I'm going to jump into that. But we're, we're not there yet. You mentioned the Cody's Wish story. I mean, for me, one thing that's wonderful about that is the perspective that it brings. Like, this stuff is amazing, and it's a, a, emotionally wrenching. And we'll get into some of the specifics of that as well. But, you know, yeah. knowing what, what really matters and, you know, win, lose, or, or, or draw – you can go home to, to, to a healthy child, you know, puts this, I'm not trying to like, you know, deflate your head here or anything, but I think you agree with me that, you know, there, there, there's, there's a lot of perspective and uh, not all tears are equal. Maybe we'll say it that way. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, I mean, it's the pinnacle of what we do and what we stand for as horse players. And we'll talk about some of the math and the numbers. Um, But it was, you know, I, told Nancy and she's my wife, Nancy will reference her a bunch because she was with me every step of the way is poetry in motion. Kind of like, it's just, uh, it was an unbelievable day of just play starting with 5,700 in my, in my account. I knew uh, the Excel spreadsheet I had said 
Worst case scenario, likely scenario, is I have 5,700 on Saturday morning when we saw Portnoy and bumping <laughs> around. You know, it, it gets you a little worried, right? Where was, he? Where was he at the end of day one? I think he had 60,000 okay. and 40,000. And well, there's, so, there's so much to unpack here. Slow down. Let me yeah. ask you. Um, this isn't just one of the conversations we randomly have. You got to let me, you got to let me take the reins here. So <laughs> you mentioned Nancy and I want to start there. Cause for me, that was a, a fantastic like subplot, just watching you guys, watching how involved she was watching how helpful she is. This was the first time I ever had the chance to meet her, which was wonderful. But I mean, what did it mean for you just win, lose or draw to have her there with you in that capacity the whole time? Everything she's now, uh, it's, it's not because of the money. She um, she went off on her own and built a betting strategy for herself and played a mini contest, which for anyone, uh, that is a great approach to take. Um, it took a small investment and uh, she had to bet the bankroll she was given and was able to sort through it and started digging into PPs as I was looking away. And I think it was one of those guilty things of like, I just want to look at this horse. Is this is this the. I heard I heard Nick Tamro mention this one. Can I look at that one? I mean, it was unbelievable. But being a good partner, not wanting to bet against you, presumably, is that where you're going with that? There was there was some bet bet against. Uh, I'll tell you. <laughs> but, but that might have made for an awkward car ride home. A really awkward car ride. <laughs> but it was just fantastic to have have her and the support. And, and to not have to come home and explain all of the decisions that had to be made and the emotion that went into it, um, I, it, it just I, she understood everything horse players stand for. And I think it's a testament to um, Jim Goodman and Tim Schramm and what they put on and being live in that contest room and helping the friends that are around you keep your course straight and keep the strategy sound that you know, you can bounce ideas off your table mates. You can talk to them about, Hey, I need a, ha a hand on what do we do here? And I mean, there was, there's a two or three moments that really helped didn't change the decisions, but it just helped give the confidence that all of a sudden it's a team. And, and, and I know um, like Howard uh, Kravitz was on Kyle. Sorry. I don't know your last name, Kyle, but <laughs> tremendous. We can probably add that in here. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Keep going. I'll, I'll dig for it. Past champion Brad Anderson and his approach uh, to winning his 2019. Matt Miller and his approach to 2021. Nick Tamro. I had a thing every race. I would consult Nick. Hey, Nick, who, who are you liking here? <laughs> and, and it helped just like everything was on the same wavelength. Sometimes I told Nick, no, thank you, but I appreciate your consultancy. Um, and, 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 and we just had the, the best freaking time. We had you at the table floating through Vanessa and Rosie were fantastic as well. So just being in that event, I said, it felt like a wedding kind of every, all the bonds grew tighter being in that tournament room. So I, I, I just can't thank Jim and Tim for all the good work they do. And, um, you know, really at the end of the day, um, money aside, it, it's, you know, now now it comes down to what can I do to help make the horse players better. I, that's really the the new I mission. Like that Kyle Roscoe was the man you were, you were referring to. So I'm going to do this in an unusual way here. I, I think the lead, which I probably should have gone to by six and a half minutes in the video, is the bet at the end. 
And then yeah. I think we're going to go back to three years ago and, and, you know, five years ago and how we met. And then we're going to talk about the, the races. So let's go to the end. Here's the lead that I buried. Man, man risks $100,000 on flight line to win uh, nearly half a million and the respect of his peers. This is not, um, you know, this is not a Matisse brother we have on here, guys. This isn't a professional better somebody out there firing every day. How does how does the business manager at In The Money Media have the absolute grapefruits, for lack of a better word, to uh, to make a wager like that? It it started with strategy and it came down to numbers of typically this contest is won with 140 ish thousand. And I called my dad on the way down, even told my mother-in-law, she's like, what are you doing over there? On I think this is Wednesday. I said, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I can place a hundred thousand dollars on one single horse. <laughs> and I, I told my dad that I said, look, you may see some things that come out that say something insane, but um, <laughs> I, I'm going to be at a choice to place a hundred thousand dollar wager on one of the best horses I will ever see. Definitely ever see live um, and, and be able to turn that price that the public gets at two to five. And, and at the time I assumed the price was going to be, you know, imputed at three to one at this point now with all of the price structure, but that was the entire plan. And I worked backwards from there of how to get to a hundred. And at that point it was easy. And the entire day, Pete, it, was I'm not easy, it was easy decision to put the hundred through. It was cathartic. So <laughs> we can work backwards. We'll still be working backwards, but to give a high level overview of the strategy, the, the idea was I wanted a hundred thousand on flight line. We came up, I think I ended up with a 97185. What's the final number wagered? Right. And um, and they won't let you bet some cents. So I, I found that out the hard way when I was trying to really zero out that balance, um, which makes sense. Why why would you be able to bet 60 cents on a, in the winning pool? But <laughs> when you're talking with those big numbers, it's one of those. I wanted to either walk away with everything or nothing at that point. And so there was no doubting the plan, you, you know, you had the plan going in, but then you're, you're in that moment and you see that number on your bankroll and you, I mean, that's money that can be very useful in one's life, but you'd never wavered. You tell them. Yeah, it, it, it really would have been. I mean, it, it, it was really scary. I called a couple people um, because the way the betting machines work and there's reasons for why they do it. And I respect the reasons why we won't um, go down that you, rabbit hole. You can only place $500 wagers at a time. So I think that it was 198 times roughly that I had to hit repeat that. As it took about. Yeah. How uh, long did it take? And has your finger recovered? Uh, it has recovered. It took 16 minutes roughly. <laughs> um, and I, I, ca I called a couple people. I called you and said, Hey, here's, you know, don't tell anyone in the contest room or anything, but I'm just, I went over to my betting machine that was in the corner. Um, up in the bluegrass room and just kept hitting repeat that over and over again. So you said Godspeed something like that. And then I called Jonathan and Jonathan said, just don't forget to call your dad. Cause when I've been in these positions, all I want to do is call my dad. And I didn't have that chance, man. And, oh, when you that told me that, that's the one that I I'm physically incapable of crying on air. But when you told me that at the place, I had to go by myself for a little while and it got very dusty in Keeneland and it wasn't the wind. 
Yeah. Pfft. I wish I had that ability not to cry on camera because <laughs> I was the one. So, so then I ended up talking to someone um, that was right behind me. She was working at Keeneland. Um, and I just started talking to this lady because right on board, board isn't the right word. It's just like you're trying to get your mind out of what you're doing because the decision's made. And uh, my wife comes up to me thinking like, are you okay? She thought I had a nervous breakdown because the angle that this machine was at, no one in the room could see. I was talking to someone sitting down in a chair tucked away. But she's <laughs> like, oh, great. Drew's broken. He's in the bluegrass room. He's talking to a wall. Yeah, and I'm He's talking, yeah. Away. He showed signs of being insane before by working with that Fornital guy, but now he's clearly lost his marbles. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, we, so we had it. Um, I, I had everything entered in, and my wife and I walked away. We walked back to the table, and uh, she knew exactly the math. I mean, she's a math person and understood exactly the unique position this was in. And it's not like we bet up. It's not like my, my wife and I said, yeah, 100,000 on a seven to one shot. Let's hope we get lucky to turn it into 20 to one. We are talking about Flightline, who showed <laughs> up and did exactly what we needed to. So I just want to be utterly clear. You, you don't go take $100,000 on a maiden claimer to N2L if you're in this contest spot and have the competitive advantage. Maybe you do. Maybe some of the more hardcore people would, but that's really what helped help solidify the plan way way ahead in advance all right we're gonna we're gonna go all the way back now you keep trying to interview me but i'm not gonna let you we're gonna go we're gonna go all the way back to the beginning and i'm gonna, I'm gonna speechify a little bit here not stallify but speechify for for a little bit and <laughs> just tell the story that we've told this before but you know i've never quite told it exactly the way it was yeah. you know the late days of of and for this story only i'll, I'll revert to the place with the letters um, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I, you know, I had a dark night of the soul after, and the person at DRF who's responsible for this is long gone. And I'm proud to say, <clears throat> I don't even remember his name, but there was a moment <laughs> where, you know, six months of negotiations, D December 23rd, they tell me, no, thanks. You don't actually have employment for the next year. Great guy. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, dark night of the soul stuff and really didn't know what was going to happen. Decided no reason not to keep the shows rolling and we'll see, we'll see what goes on. I don't know if I I've never run a business before. I'll see what happens. Within, within a week, <laughs> I got a call from you. I, I wish I could remember exactly what you said. I knew you from before because you once sent me like a case. We had, I had a craft beer conversation online or something. And you sent me a case of really good Chicago beer. There was some pipeline in there, some half acre. Um, there might have been some three Floyds mixed in. You may have given Indiana a little love. But, I mean, there was these wonderful, hoppy uh, you know, Midwestern beer. So I knew exactly who you were. It was definitely like a phone call I wanted to take. Um, and really, you know, you had this vision like, hey, you, you could do this. You could set this up. You could set this up as a, as a business. But then you revealed later to me you weren't really thinking about, you know, my feelings are making money. It, it was all enlightened self-interest. It was absolutely. And you and Jonathan and Matt Bernier as well. This is the first podcast I listened to. We were talking about all of the events that had to go right to lead up to this. And, and one of them was having a commute and driving an hour and change in Chicago every day, one way. So about two and a half total. And 
I fell in love with horse racing um, and was able to listen to the show. And when the show was about to go away, it was kind of like you're taking your friends away. Like, whoa, 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 slow down. I, I, I want to keep listening. And um, I, I fought tooth and nail for you guys to put a business case together and get some data to help show with the listenership. And really, at, at the end of the day, like when we say, you and I say, listeners make this so much fun to do. Without exaggeration, without the listeners, I'm not where I am right now. So, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a champion. I'm probably sitting on the outside, just not, not being able to advance the skill level to this point where I'm not opening the program on Saturday. That, I mean, that's to the, that's the strategy, thought process that it was put in, and it was all about bankroll management and making sure I was set up to hit a couple check marks along the way in the strategy that. You know, it's kind of one step at a time. You can't try and crush a tournament in one, one series. So to get back to how we became friends and built this business, it was really, and I hate to be like, I don't, probably not the nicest thing to say, but I just wanted to make sure that you guys were going to keep going and having fun and not having to sit behind a corporate desk. So I'm glad I was able to, to do that. Part. Shaking, if you're listening to the audio version of this, I'm shaking my fist wildly in the air because I appreciate it so much. I did the desk thing for a long time and no judgments, but it's let's just say it's but with, with, with wherever I land on the neurodiversity scale, sitting in an office uh, doesn't make it better. It makes it much, much worse. So that, that mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that. So I, so I really I really appreciate you very, very much for that. Um, I, I want to ask you about the aggression you showed in your bets. I, I was thinking back to a fun time we had in Saratoga when you showed me your bets. And am I correct in taking a wild guess that a conversation you had with Tommy Massis a few years ago may have been a little bit helpful in, in, uh, in some of these approaches. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not about the more times you dip your foot into the pool, the more you're just going to get ground out. I mean, the game we play is in, immensely difficult and, especially over the last two or three years um, have really started to, to hammer as his name indicates um, to bet efficiently and think through these things as efficiently as you possibly can, knowing that every time, just like if you're, if you're a day trader or stock trader, right, you're, you're paying fees every time you make a move in and out and you have to really think about that. And uh, I'm excited to see um, the review of the plays that we that I was able to put together and my wife sitting right beside me, she was running the math and nothing made me more proud to be able to look over and Hey, here's what I'm going to do. Does this math add up to get to this checkpoint? We can talk about those checkpoints. Yeah. We'll get there. I got two more for you. She was there. So yeah, I mean, the list goes on of people to thank in the handicapping world that have, built me to the place that I was able to get to and, and, and make a hundred thousand dollar wager on a single horse. Uh, I just, just remember you. I remember talking to you after you talked to Tommy in the backyard of the little house on the East side and you, you looked like your mind had just been blown about the, you know, the limited combinations and that really that kill bet concept of just, you know, everybody wants to spread and that's very, and sometimes it works actually sometimes at the breeders cup, it can work depending on what pool you're in and what your, what your um, game is. But, in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge, I don't think it works so well. No, no, it does not. And, and you know, you have to give thanks to Mike Maloney as well. I remember talking to him when we first did our event at Bell's in Lexington. 
which yes. so happened to be a harbinger of good things because that's where our life changed. Thank you, Keeneland Select, <laughs> for sponsoring that event because we went. The welcome event was back at Bell's. And so many weird things have happened. This year, randomly back at the place where we did our first ever live show. And I didn't even realize it until I walked. Not only did I not realize it until I walked in the door, I didn't realize it until I went upstairs. I'd been there for 90 minutes. And and we look up, and lo and behold, there's an in-the-money cocktail. (laughs) We have a picture. We have a picture. Yeah, we do. And so and so I ran into Mike Maloney there four or five years ago, and he started talking to me about some strategies of, Hey, don't play the place bet. Get a get a if you ha- like a long price, play the long price on top and back it up with a logical underneath. Like those little things go so far in advancing your thought of it's not about handicapping. It's all about how you're going to manage that bankroll and what your target is. If someone's target is to have a fun day out there and lose fifty dollars and maybe win a hundred, five hundred spread away, have fun. Um, but if, if your goal is to make, make a lot of money, uh, you got to really think a lot. I know you always comment positively as so many of the listeners do when we do the pro player shows and, you know, have yeah. an, a, an array of folks on there, Matisse brothers, Paul, and particularly for that particular show. And of course, uh, Sean Borman's work, which you've encouraged me to get more and more of, um, I'm imagining those guys had some influence as well. I don't know specifically on, on this year's BCBC, but just in terms of your education as a player. Yeah. Those two, again, all of those guys, but Sean and Paul um, specifically to this Breeders' Cup betting challenge, it was just fascinating hearing the, the vantage point of Paul when he said, look, flight line can lose. Didn't dissuade me from that wager, but just continues to remind, Oh wow. Jackie's warrior can lose wrote about it and yep. was a key to the day that I was able to give multiple outs. If Jackie's warrior did lose to achieve the check mark I needed to at that specific time in the contest, we'll get, there. We'll get to the specifics of that. But you I'm mentioned, something. you mentioned something else that we need to pause on, which is the writing you do often for in the money for free, but for a special event like this, you are behind our little uh, plus paywall. Tell yeah. folks what to, uh, what you did in there, and then I'll use your grid picks as a guide to help us go through go through the days. So, yeah. uh, but w- tell about the articles you wrote. Yeah, so uh, I wrote two articles, um, one of which was vulnerable favorites, um, and I, I made a huge disclaimer, right? Vulnerable, not can't win type horses, and Golden Powell was one of them, and sidestepping that horse and the entire event. Um, I, pl- I had a small wager on Highfield Princess, but otherwise, um, it that was Golden Pal. Can I take credit for it? No, because Golden Pal broke terribly. Right, we don't so. even. It's one of these funny things where we don't even know if you were right. I would go so far as to argue because you never had a chance. Wow. But I mean, it's all factored in. I'm, I'm not saying you were wrong. I'm just saying you can't crow too much when they don't show their form for a reason yeah. like that. But but it's it goes into the larger risk and reward conversation. Right. And then Jackie's warrior. Um, as, as I had posted that as the week went on, I was hearing more folks. I think even Paul and Sean talked about like, no one can go with Jackie. So how is he going to lose? So it, we, I did have a play into Jackie's warrior um, that again, was going to achieve a checkbox for me. And, um, but I, I kind of wrote it to the T Jackie's warrior can't handle pressure. And he, unfortunately, that's how he's going to go out. I don't think he's running in 2023 
and the horse is tremendous. So it, you hate to see a, a champion like that go out on that stage, but that's horse racing. I think I think with your remarks, you just said you now may, may now be joining Sean Borman in a club, not on Steve Asmussen's Christmas card list. But that's, that's you tried to redeem it late. I anyway, that's a that's a conversation we we can't get into now. Now we're going to go back. We're almost where we want to be, but we still I still need to get an overview of what happened on Friday. You you sort of teased. It sounded like fifty seven hundred. Is that the magic number? You had two entries coming in, yes, or, or one. just one. You just had one. one. Entry. I didn't even realize that. That's so funny. Horrible host fail, but leave it in. Um, so you had one entry, 5,700. So you just played all minimums and, and missed. But you were clearly just trying to tread water, right? I mean, you must have been happy. And and what, and what how did you try to get those minimums out of the way? I'm doubting they were show bets or you would have hit something. What was yeah. the general thought? And I don't – I only have Friday or Saturday's tickets here. Um, I don't know where Friday's went. They're somewhere in the, in the house. Um, but – the general thought was on Friday, how can I uh, take a couple shots with those minimums to get a couple thousand, right? It's, it was not a let's just tread water and hit show bet because the way I had built the strategy was based on 5,700. Gotcha. And you I haven't gone back. Perfectly content if it went 5,700. And if you hit something, God bless. Right. And I mean, the rest was history. So I can't remember exactly. Uh, the plays on Friday because they became so they don't matter non-starter, yeah. but they were small doubles um, adding up to three races of $600 and uh, walked out of that contest room. Kind of like, okay, like great, but not awesome. You know, the highlight of the day was watching silver knot and um, the, the one horse throw it down for, for the, for the euros. Victoria road. The, yeah. Victoria road. And my wife had uh, placed a wager on Silver Knot. And the fact that Silver Knot kind of got in some traffic on the rail and it came down to the end, that was the highlight of the day for us, ironically, was a small bet my wife had made. And she, I think, was hooked from there on and was like, I want to be more involved tomorrow as well. I think you said she bet Silver Knot. She bet Victoria Road. She bet. Silver Knot lost and still was pumped up about the entire thing. <laughs> See, that's a future horse player right there. It's second. Okay. Saturday starts with the Philly and Mayor Sprint. Did did you have, you know, you looking at your picks here, you did not have Goodnight Olive on top. The kind of strategy you had if you believed in Goodnight Olive the way that many of us did, it would have been an interesting opportunity to maybe get uh, very, very aggressive. But did you just bet a minimum or, or leave it alone completely? Yeah, my opinion was Goodnight Olive had stalked a horse. I can't remember the horse's name and passed by. And that's when the career best figure was earned. And I really hate going back and saying career best passed a bunch of okay horses, but not like what Goodnight Olive was going to face there. And so just kind of sat on my hands and said, I'm going to pass two races, one now, and there's going to be one I'm going to have to pass because there's an all in double in my future. Didn't know where it was going to be exactly. Interesting. I knew that that was going to be the case. So having to play seven out of the nine Breeders' Cup races, that was the one that I said, yeah, this is the past one for us. You told us about the turf sprint. So what of the dirt mile? You were with me, Team Cody's Wish, right? Team Cody's Wish. Yep. Team Cody's Wish. How did you, how did you, what what did you do? Um, I believe, let's go to the books here. I believe it was (laughs) a, um, yeah, it was just a high field princess into Cody's Wish. And that pool was so spread out and a lot of money, both on both sides of that pool, 
that Gunite and Cyberknife for Highfield Princess, I believe we're paying like 30 to one. So I did do a couple $250 doubles into that horse, um, into those two horses, because just the, the discrepancies in the pool. Um, and then had a $2,000 double Highfield into Cody's Wish. And I think that was paying oh, like so you really swung. I didn't realize you swung that much in the in the turf sprint. So you swung and missed in the turf sprint. What were you down to heading into the dirt mile? And how did you start the climb? Yeah, so uh, fifty seven hundred and uh, bet twenty five hundred there. So we were we were down pretty low. We were sitting down to the bone. And you know, and 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 my my wife held all of these. She was my kind of bookkeeper and accountant to keep me on track. And uh, so, right. so, so thirty two hundred to win on Cody's wish was next or what? Yeah, so you're not going to believe this, Pete. I, I can't. We haven't shared all of these plays, by the way, for the listeners. So I enjoy I enjoy being able to walk through this with you. So then it became a, a pretty simple. Hey, we need to get a minimum out of the way because remember we the first race was skipped. Yep. So we need to get a minimum out of the way, and it was Cody's wish into okay. Tuesday in in Italia for two hundred and fifty dollars. That was it. And that what? is what made the difference of the contest. And I'll explain this. All right, back up. The minimums are 600 So how is it a $250 double? I had simplification for $550 okay. into so both of those as well. Okay. So. So, so, so so, what does that double? And So Cody's Wish doesn't, you know, it just it sets you up for Tuesday and in Italian. And then take me through your approach in the Philly and Meritor. Yeah, so both of those were going to pay 5000 and the way the card laid out, I needed to make a move. Like there was no question if I said, well, I can let's not leverage myself with one of the Tuesday or in Italian because you're already going to get 5,000 to win. Why would you do anything more? Instead, I went all in on one of those two horses and Rob Dove, one of the top 10 pro punters in the UK today. And I'll tell you what, I'm getting better at saying that as the weekend. Well, my is the top five after his Tuesday push. Yeah. And I loved, I love Tuesday. And, and I looked around the table and said to everyone and you included, I said, I think, I think to get to my number, which is, I wanted to have roughly $20,000 to wager on modern games to get to that number. I needed to hit this race for 20 or 30. And I went all in Tuesday um, and went right into Jackie's Warrior. So that that wager there was right, 26 slow down, ounces. Slow down, slow down. You say all in Tuesday in doubles. When you say all in, just full stop like that, people are going to assume you meant win. Sorry, Which must have been tempting, but you didn't do that. I'm a co professional co-writer, so I can sort of live in people's brains and try to communicate mm -hmm. to the larger world what they're trying to say. The, the, I'm, I'm, and you correct me if at any point I'm wrong. The win money alone, not enough to get you to that number you wanted for modern games. So you decided to attack the double pool. How did you play it? Right. And and that was $2,600 Tuesday into Jackie's Warrior. And that was going to pay, I think, 30-ish. So I was going to be set up. If Jackie's Warrior won, I was going to be sitting perfectly for um, for the modern games, big wager. And this is where handicapping comes into play though. Cause even though from a game theory point of view, Jackie's warrior, you know, far more likely winner at that point, you had a different top pick. Yeah. And so the idea was if Tuesday wins, it gave me an, I'm, I was thinking a couple steps ahead. If Tuesday won, 
I have then $5,000 to express an opinion on elite power into modern games, which then would then de facto yield me roughly the 40,000. And so I was able to get that done with the 5,000 and then place wagers on Jackie's warrior on a double into two more horses that scared me uh, a little bit with modern games that would still yield 40,000. So those wagers were yeah 4,585 bet on the double with Jackie's warrior into the next race. And, and so that was the numbers are different, but the total wager was 4,585. So early on the entire bankroll is leveraged like early on. Like as as soon as as soon as we got to, I believe, yeah, the race after Cody's wish, wish, which is Tuesday, the entire rest of the contest except for one race, we were all my in. My entire bankroll was so I'm gonna need so, you to write down these bets so so we can have somebody pop them up in graphics for those watching on YouTube. By the way, this is too, and let us know in the YouTube comments. By the way, if you could ever bet a hundred thousand dollars on any horse under any circumstance, I want to hear. I want to hear from the wider world. I want to know just just how messed up my my business partner here is. Okay, so you get to the sprint. Now I'm pretty good at this game usually, but we've thrown a lot of numbers out of there out here. Who are you better off with by the time you? Clearly, you were way better off with Tuesday in the Philly and Mare Turf, and I saw the expression on your face afterwards. And, and boy, that was an exciting stretch run. Um, but who were you better off to? Were you better off with Elite Power or Jackie's Warrior by the time the spring came around? Or did Jackie, it, it didn't matter, but Jackie's Warrior would have given more comfort to have three horses live to 40,000. Because remember, we were in a pay leg with Jackie's Warrior, Tuesday Jackie's Warrior for the 30. So that whole 30 gets thrown right onto modern games. And that's exactly where I wanted to be was able to put a big wager on modern games. And then I had two horses backed up in the doubles with Jackie's warrior. So if Jackie's warrior did win. You had, I think it was dream Loper and regal glory covered for a will pay of 40,000. So ideally that was the way it went, but um, elite power with, I think it was like $2,500 into modern games paid the 40,000, 42,000 I needed. So we get up now to the Breeders' Cup mile, and you did, <laughs> you did the rest cast. History. The rest didn't matter. I mean, it, I, I'll well, explain. What's the small race called the distaff that came into play? It's a little one. I hated Nest in that, uh, not as a horse, but as hated a Hated is strong. You did have as your second choice, but I assume you're saying at what the prices were on the board. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't do it. It was Nest was not going to help me get across the finish line. And and it, it came down to numbers. I had 42,000 in the next three races. What is the most likely option that's going to happen? And how am I going to be able to get the most amount of money to get to 100,000? Tell you what, it wasn't going to be in the turf because I didn't like the turf. And lo and behold, look, Mishriff loses the, one of my top Your picks. Top pick. You did have the second choice, but uh, second, but but I know what you mean. I, it was a race for me. I kept waffling back and forth between you know four different horses. It's a, it's a tough race for especially what you're trying to accomplish. It's a very difficult race. Yeah, yeah, and so it came down to I liked. There were three logical winners in the distaff, and by taking two of them and dutching the win bet, I was going to get to a hundred thousand. And so that was fifteen. I mean, I'm using rough numbers here, but fifteen on. Clarier and 25,000 on Malathot. And just placing that wager, like 
it felt like the conclusion was written to a degree. Like it was either going to happen or not. There's no PPs to look at. Didn't really matter beyond that because the math added up to getting to the 100,000 that I was looking to get to. So again, the checkpoints were start with 5,700 on Saturday, get a, get a live to 20,000 to put on the modern games one way or the other, and then carve up the distaff to get to 100,000. Talk to me about the distaff and what you were feeling I hate what were you feeling questions, but I'm sorry. This one's only appropriate as they came roaring down the stretch. I will say personally, I'm somebody who's a little weird. I root more for my friend. I'll do my craziest roots of my life are all for my friends. I, as opposed to, to me, I'm more apt to be a, a little bit like you, I would say a little more stoic when it's my own money on the line though. No, yeah. I, I was here a little, but I was flipping out like practically hands and knees on the floor. Come on, Malathot! Stick your neck out, Malathot! Stick your... <laughs> that was my... my. Sometimes I get it like a mantra, and the mantra there was, stick your neck out. I want to hear about what you what was going through your head. I did the cardinal sin, and from the angle I was watching, which was right in front of the, um, the tote board, I thought Malathot got by easily. And and then I celebrated. Certain... I mean, I thought I thought you won. I pumped. I fist pumped, but I wasn't. It wasn't easily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, uh, uh, my wife and I weren't sitting together. And so I walked down uh, as as the races unfolded. A little superstitious. So she had a spot to watch. I had a spot to watch. <laughs> and and uh, so I was like, I, why worry about what you can't control? Right. I think that's a good motto to have in life. And at this point it was something I couldn't control. And so you started to have doubts when they showed the replay, they showed yeah. one angle of the replay where I thought you were done for. I did too. I did too. And remember <laughs> we had Clarier and Malathot. And so somehow I, I don't even know the number. Like blue one. stripes nose to me in one of those views. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's a game of inches and, what it took so i don't know about a game you, of, this isn't a game of inches this is a game of centimeter i think yeah this is uh this is that was that was a little hair raising but again it went back to like the strategy was on autopilot so if if it busted like yeah it is a lot of money but at the same token the strategy was a hundred thousand on flight line so that's amazing so you weren't you weren't physically sick over waiting for that photo and you didn't like flip out and celebrate when you got the when you when the number was up Oh, we, we celebrated when, when the number was up. Yeah, there was a lot of hugs uh, going around um, because we we kind of knew the job was done, right? It was like we got what you wanted to get. Your wife wasn't going to kick you out of the house for the insanity that you're about to do. I could, I could see how yeah. I could see how you all were, were doing OK at that point. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the, the craziest thing to me of the day was having to go to a machine and that. 25 and 15,000 and then wager $600 on the turf to fill the minimum. <laughs> it just, so if that gives anyone a flavor for how my betting profile uh, is going to go, I think I'm going to take uh, from my own personal gambling a couple of days off because when you're firing at those numbers, it's really hard to keep perspective on a day-to-day player like we all are. That's, that's really, really funny. Yeah. Going up there for that. And then you mentioned about uh putting in the bets and, and talking to the wall. And I imagine, I don't know if you've seen the film, you're young enough, you don't, you might not necessarily have, but I'm sure you got lots of comments along the lines of he's like Jay Trotter at the $50 window. 
I got a lot of those. I loved it. Yeah. Yep. 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 Oh, idea production meeting in the middle of the show next summer in Saratoga. Maybe we'll do it in my backyard. Maybe we'll do it at the Brentwood. I think we need to have a let it ride screening with Chef Dan cooking. And, you know, all money goes to, you know, we'll make people pay and give all the money to the TRF. What do you think? Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> sign us up. We'll be there. You know, what? one story I don't think I told you was we had a panic. And so for anyone who's playing in these contests, save they, they print off in the betting machines. They pr- print your wagering receipt. So it's not a cashable ticket, but it's a receipt. And it get the betting platform, the software is no offense to the people who build it. I'm sure they are wealthy beyond means and don't worry about these things, but it's really hard to, when you're looking at, you know, $40,000 worth of $500 win bets, like how many minimums did I hit? And on this tote, when I hit with Malathot, I was at 97, 785 or whatever it was. And I had only filled, I think they showed four or five minimums. I was one short. And all panic set in. So I had to go to Tim and team and say, hey, um, I have these receipts here. I just want to clarify. And again, another advantage of being in person was I was able to quickly turn to them. They pulled up their betting platform and said, you are taken care of. It's the software's issue. We'll refresh it. JK had the and- same thing. JK had the same thing happen last year, actually. We, we- oh. Yeah, I mean, I was helping him just put his math together and we're looking at the screen and yeah, he was a minimum short. He called Jim and Jim told him right away that everything was uh, that everything was a okay. But uh, that's that is funny. Just to just to add a little more, you know, agita in your in, in your stomach. I want to hear I want to hear about what's going on in your body. You get so you stop staring at the wall. Give me the give me the rest of the day. Just walk me through it. Yeah. So uh, after sitting there for 16 minutes hitting enter 198 times. Um, we, we did what we had been doing. Um, so I, I went up, you went to your, you went to your neutral corners. Yep. I took a picture with Kyle Roscoe every time before the race, Brad Anderson cap captured the moment. So someone has the photos we're working on getting them all together. Well, probably it's, some of them might be scrolled throughout this video uh, presentation through our crack production team. We'll see if we can get oh, that. Fantastic. Yeah. I think there's about six or seven with Kyle and I, um, and I'm sure my uh, my demeanor and actual look uh, was changing at each time because I, I was sick. So it, my random story. So I'm hanging out with uh, my new pal and your new pal, uh, Rosie Tapner from my TV. And then we're, we're running. We run into the big boss, Matt, the big boss at Sky Sports Racing, who happens to be by himself. So this is like this is essentially like my boss's boss. Right. From from all the work I do for at the races and Sky. And, you know, I'm supposed to look remotely professional. I'm sitting there, like, tearing my hair out. And, like, he asked me at some point, who can win the race other than Flightline? I'm saying, you, you cannot bet against Flightline in my presence. I'm like, sorry, I know you're way more important than me, and nobody tells you what to do ever. But you cannot. You just don't do this to me. My head was exploding. Oh, was my goodness. Day of the Locust, which we listened to on the car on the way over. My head was The man standing next to me, his head was exploding. That was me. So I, I don't know if I was worse or better than you. Oh, like I said, like it, it helped, um, you know, w- w- with the gambling that we do to be honest and transparent with everyone year round and to be making the statements of what, what I did ahead of time. Like, Hey, here is what I'm trying to get to a hundred thousand on one horse 
because I'm going to turn two to five and the nine to two, the math works out. Um, it, it, it didn't become easy. I, w- I shouldn't say that, but these, it was like kind of a little bit of outer, outer body at that point. I get it. I totally get it. Watching yourself do it. Yeah. I thought one of the most interesting things you said to me, um, and this is like right from the JK playbook as well, um, that you didn't spend any time handicapping during the day and spent, and you could tell from the way you talk about these bets, how, how much time you spent thinking about betting and recalibrating on the fly and making sure the amounts were, yeah. were right. I, I thought that was, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we talked about it on the Woodbine show. Cause you asked, Hey, have you done any replay work? And I said, no, we're, I'm starting because you need right. to get that work done before you ha- ha- head to the grounds. Um, because otherwise you're, pl- you're, you're doing two jobs instead of one at that point. Because nothing on the day should change. I mean, unless you're playing, if, unless you're a bias player, scratch or bias or something like that. But whether, yeah. right? But, but it was it stayed close enough to what what you needed it to be. And I mean, really, I would imagine that's where help from your friends. Obviously, you've already talked about Nancy's role, but I mean, I probably didn't suck to have two former BCBC winners sitting at your table. No, and, and no, not at all. And the, and, and whose strategy you were essentially aping. Yeah. And I think there was a conversation I had of like, is, this is the right move, right team? Like everyone on my table, we like, no one's going to come and go, I told you so type of thing. And everyone articulated it perfectly for me to give me the confidence to go do that. And, you know, also having Nick Tamaro as articulate as he, as he is about his opinions, um, it, it just helped give confidence to, um, to, to do the right thing. That's great. Well, it, 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 you, 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 you took that and you did well with it. And it, it was just, it was an incredible moment. I mean, I was so, uh, I, I say be a part of it. I was on the other side and, and ran back to you for the sweat as we call it. And I was pretty sure you were in trouble because I just thought that, Olympiad was like a clear overlay on the board. Just, just again, just like straight math overlay on the board. Um, I knew I'll confess. I knew you were toast. If Taba had run second, right? Because, because that was Sean's play, Sean Borman's play. And yes, that was an important, you owe him a length. Um, And I just figured that somebody you know, you wouldn't, you would have needed, I didn't go back and do the math, but you would have needed whatever 15 to one pop that number to come get you. But you know, a lot of people don't play optimally. Like they don't, they're not able to do the mental jujitsu that you did saying, I mean, the way that I I look at it is, you know, you treated it like jeopardy. It's you're, you're playing a game, you're playing a game and the original money is gone. And now let's see how well I can do with the game. I think if more people had that attitude, you probably get popped there with with that particular exacta, but uh, fortunately for you, nobody played it that way. What did you think, though? Did you think you'd won? For me, give give me your percentages of if you thought that would be enough at that point. Now, go, granted, going into the race, maybe helping this case is you did have a sizable lead, right? How much were you up by? Thirty thousand or so, but I did know that there were some crazy, there was some underneath insanity that could happen, especially when my wife said. Hey, I just won eighteen hundred dollars. I think she said four thousand, and she didn't do the two dollar divide by math. And I was like, like this is this is gone. <laughs> but I will say, uh, someone said to me, "Look, you're in a position to take a sledgehammer and f- crush it." We don't curse much on this show. 
Almost no. never. Yeah, now I got to do the explicit content. Maybe we'll bleep it. We can bleep it. <laughs> Versus everyone else. Again, going back to probabilities in the math, someone has to hit it with a laser pointer. So, so you have the chance to just smash something versus stand 300 yards away and hope you hit it like a bullseye. And when the race was over, I did exactly what I wanted. And I think the table around me was nervous. I was as happy as I could be because like, where else can you do this? And even if I did get snapped at the end, so what it's nine to two down to five to two when you had with all the prize money built in, like it's still a bet of a lifetime type stuff. Yeah. Exactly. And, and right. I was with, with my wife, which couldn't have been better. And with all the friends and support of, of the podcast and team, that's like, this is a day for top 10 moment of my life. So at that point I took a walk. Um, as you know, you would call me, <laughs> you, you said first off, like, I'm worried you lost. I was like, okay, thanks. I, a lot for you lost. I just didn't want you to be, I mean, I, I sincerely believed somebody would pop you. But I didn't say you lost. Let's 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 not go to that level of hyperbole. I I, I have just, a terrible I feeling. Mentally prepared so you weren't disappointed because it it seemed like it should be day of your life type stuff to me yeah. if you run in the top three. So I I was yeah. maybe trying to set expectations, but I I thought you were probably second, and I think I said yeah. I probably told you you probably third. Yeah, uh, and, and I think I hope that didn't come bad. off badly. I hope I didn't come off you know like I was being a jerk. Um, no, you weren't being a jerk, but it did not help. We'll just put it that way. He doesn't know this yet, folks listening, because you said I have a terrible feeling. And so like, right. I'm like, oh gosh. But anyways, it, it didn't matter. Cause again, I think having perspective and what the strategy is going into it again, I can't emphasize it enough. It's like, it was the playbook and we ran it perfectly. So I took a walk. I, um, there was a nice gentleman named Keith who was letting us stand in this perfect spot near the owner's boxes. Gave him a tip money. The poor guy said, I've only gotten $5 tipped all day. Like this, I've, I've been trying to help people. And like, he was just really nice to us. So regardless of the outcome, went and tipped him. Saw, saw the wait staff that was helping me that was really like championing me on as well and tipped them and just called my dad again and said, hey, look, man. And he's not a horse player, by the way, at all. Um, and said, look, I did it. Like, this is the best I can do. So like this was before you knew officially before I knew officially That's went so and talked to Tim and said, Tim, what happened? And he said, you got it. And <laughs> I went and delivered the news to the team. Uh, but instead I walked out the door. I'd always been walking out because I'm superstitious, right? And just screamed like just, it was just so much emotion. Um, everyone looked around like, are you, are you okay? <laughs> fine. I'm fine. Thank you. It was, this is, these are happy, happy noises. Um, and then told the, told the the everyone was sitting down 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 the way and gave gave my wife a big hug and congratulated everyone that was a part of a, a wrong along for the the wild ride that was the last 72 hours oh my god that is tremendous that is tremendous stuff i was part of the celebration so i don't have to ask you about that did you like tony's i did i did yeah it was fantastic they took great care of us um and to keith chamberlain and those folks over at the ntra yeah. and the breeders cup they they were tremendous to us as well. So thank you for the hospitality you showed. Yeah, you get to go to you get to go to Vegas. There's a cheeky joke to be made here, but I'm gonna leave it. Good. But you, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but if, got another if it, member of our team who won't be in Vegas. That's all I'm saying. I'm being very cheeky now. Being very cheeky. 
I thought I thought going to Vegas was going to be my next hundred thousand dollar bet, but all right, that's fine. Um, so so that that was fantastic. Um, we the highlight of the moment for I think for everyone was we blared music driving to Tony's uh, of "We Are the Champions" and a couple <laughs> other things. Yeah, just yeah, Sometimes I think a video is gotta rock the cliche, man. Yeah, but, yeah, and I think a video will come out maybe on this airwaves. It, the reaction video of me watching Flightline and thanks for Brad Anderson for capturing that moment and many others that like my head was just not ready to be taking pictures and like, Oh yeah, let's yeah, remember yeah. this moment. And uh, is I've never been as emotional as I have been at a racetrack. Cause I mean, this is what it's all about. And uh, just collapsed uh, when Flightline crossed the wire. Cause it's, it's a once in a lifetime horse that we got to see. I think even Larry Coleman agreed with that on the call. And the the amount of support that everyone shown was just like holy smokes! Like what a cool, cool experience. So a couple more for you. We'll just we'll do the hour and then we'll go. I want I want to look back and I want to look forward. We'll look back first. So you, you usually the origin the origin story of a horse player is my aunt, uncle, dad, grandmother took me to the track when I was very young. What was your what was your introduction? Yeah, I, I went to Lone Star Park when I was in middle school once, loved it, never went back. And I moved from Texas back up to Michigan, never sniffed horse racing again until I started working at a company and another guy uh, held a like a lunch and learn all about, hey, we're going to go to Arlington Park and we're going to teach you how to bet. And uh, stumbled into the horse player show and stumbled into the podcast and wanted to just keep learning as much as I could. And and the rest is history there. So not many, not many gamblers in my family uh, for a while. There was kind of had to keep it not secret. You know, I was transparent with my significant a little on the down low though, a little on the down low. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that sports gambling is becoming legal. It's becoming acceptable and civilized and not a, uh, not an endeavor that someone shouldn't be proud of. And, and I think that means, means a lot to, to where the position I'm in. And like I said, at the top, I'm just, my goal now is how do I how do I make sure that we help all the horse players out there be the best that we can be and be an ambassador for that mission? Well, you've been an incredible guiding hand the whole time with these shows. I mean, so much of what we do is because of you, and, and I'm, I know you'll be true to that word. But I do know personally, you with this influx of cash that you you have some plans as well. Tell us about those. Uh, which ones are you referring to? The house. I thought you told me you were buying a house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you have a better plan to, than that, let me know. Yeah. We've, we've been trying to move close to family uh, since May. Um, and obviously the housing market is tremendously slow and uh, we're trying to figure out what to do. Um, thankfully, we're fortunate enough to have a second house in Michigan as a vacation home. So we've been living there, but right, it's, it's time to get on with our life. And we were wondering like what was going to have to happen. And, um, you know, not a, not to sing me a sob story, because, but now that this cash is here, we're able to make those moves before the holidays, be closer to family with our two-year-old that we have as well. Uh, I think it's going to mean all the difference at this point. This is this is like becoming a thing. Marshall Graham wins BCBC, buys house Saratoga. You win, you're you're buying a house. It's like it's like very clearly the the, the thing. You know, the de rigueur thing, the the thing it's of the of the fashion as far as that goes. All right. Now I have to ask you the question that I'm terrified to ask you because, you know, your skill set is so different than mine. You, you're, you're going to be a very hard man. 
to replace any truth to the rumors I've seen out there in social media that you're now quitting. <laughs> Wait, quit quitting what? Quitting you or horses? Because I think those are one and the same. <laughs> quitting me. I don't. I, I'm trying to find out if I need a new business guy. I got to no. find out if I need somebody else to grind on Woodbine with me this weekend. What's the story? You no, just, we'll, we'll, don't don't go easy on me. Let's just rip the band-aid off. No, Klaus Ebner t- tweeted at me and said, hey, who are we picking in the seventh on Sunday? I wasn't sick enough to open the program for that, but I'll, I'll be I'll be opening it this weekend as well. So this changes right. nothing for us. That's great. Okay. Although Very although good. I'm friends with Chad Brown now, so that, that works out well. <laughs> and asked me for a personal loan. So that was cool. <laughs> He's a kidder. He has a sense of humor that a lot of people don't know about. Um, that was he fun, makes- too, the- the little Ruby's after party we were able to arrange was uh, was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, what is it like for you, somebody who's you know covered horse players and been on the edge of of media? I mean, did you ever think you'd get this kind of uh, just like attention to this? No, no, and I don't think it's really sunk in yet. Uh, if you want to have your worst night of sleep ever, uh, go go win this contest because it just doesn't work because everything is blowing up and people are talking to you and just the ride of a lifetime. So yeah, it, it's, it's been fantastic. I'm, I'm excited to use our platform as well to reach more horse players. And like I said, try and do as best we can for the the sport itself and for horse players. So I'm not oh, quitting and stuff. Good. Yeah. You're not quitting. You're, you're sticking with us. Sticking with us. So. so I have something I haven't told anybody yet that is weird. So I think I told the story a lot of times about how for the first time, for the first time ever, I had a dream about a horse that won that ended up being that I then that I ended up you know, I had handicapped right before I went to bed. And then I um, I'm making myself very angry that I can't remember this horse's name because I know it. Shug McGahey runner that won a won a race. Uh, I think I think it was just a maiden at uh, at Kentucky Downs. Subsequently came back on bet very hard. Anyway, nobody needs any of this information. But anyway, I dreamt something had happened. Then, a couple of weeks later, I dreamt that I won the BCBC. I mean, I think there was just a little bit of, you know, we, do, we, we are part of this company. I think I'm, I'm having the power to make things come true with my dreams, or my dreams are prophetic or whatever you want to say. I'm, I'm paying attention. It's probably not always going to come out exactly right, but I'm going to start paying attention to this, my friend. Yeah, well, and, and like like we've been saying as well, it's all about numbers. If you have a dream about the Powerball and winning that, just don't buy that ticket. <laughs> yeah, I won't. I can't go that far. I can't. It's got to be horse racing related, whether it's contests or something like uh, like uh, a specific race result. All right, we've covered plenty of ground here. You've got seventy million other interviews to do. I hope this ends up being the the funnest one. Uh, but but Drew, I mean, congratulations, my friend. It was it was beautiful to watch i was a little worried that you were now going to quit on air on me and i was going to have to deal with that so now i now i'm very relieved and happy so thank you very much and we will uh we'll see you here we'll see you at in the money podcast.com critically we'll see you over at in the money podcast.com slash plus just going to put in the cheap plug here that the last four bcbc members all have or all the subscribers to in the money plus (laughs) not taking credit but it's 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 uh it's not completely random either what do you think am i I being am i shilling this too much no no i don't think so and um i was gonna say before you signed off it's it's jk bernier and you without that i'm not here 
I mean, it's the odds to God is truth. So you did win it to a degree on that front. <laughs> I love it. I love that attitude. And I kind of feel the same way. I'm claiming the last four. Forget it. I'm just going to go completely nuts. Oh, we got two seconds in there as well. I love that story you told about JK. He is extremely proud of you. I am extremely proud of you. And it, it, again, it was just a beautiful day. I'll give you a chance for the, for the last word before I go into the, to the, the spiel and we wrap this thing. No, I'm, I'm good. I've, I've, <laughs> I've had I've had all my last words I can at this point. Um, I'm just extremely grateful. And I, I guess my last word is like, I have no idea how it's me at this point. And um, I, I didn't do anything insanely special. You heard me go through the picks and the strategy. And, it, I, I, you know, I don't want to – my ego is going to stay in check that uh, at Woodbine I'm probably going to go two for four this weekend <laughs> and hopefully eke out a 15 to 20% ROI and beat, beat the takeout. So it doesn't change anything for me at this point. And um, – a part of the tribe like everyone else. Good stuff, my man. We'll thank Drew Coatney one more time. We'll thank our crack in the money media production team for sure. Our founding partners, Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. Might they be getting a gift? And <laughs> as well as 10 Strike Racing. Great to see Clay over there. And always great to root for the purple and black. This show's been a production of In the Money Media. Our business manager is Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge champion, Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Cornetal. I'm not going to worry too much about photos for a while because Malathot won.